Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Player Profiler and our podcast network is super resource intensive and we rely on premium subscriptions to the website playerprofiler.com to keep the engine running Go there, sign up for our player rankings, Dynasty Deluxe, DFS package, or go all in. Those that subscribe are everything to us. Billy, how you doing today? Oh, we're rocking and rolling, Theo. It's my favorite time. We're going to talk tight end. I know. I said to said to Billy, I said, you know, yesterday we had our first guest we've ever had. We had J.J. Zacharyson. So we get a big, awesome guest with a national following. We talk about very generic positions. We talk about the running back position. We talk about the wide receiver position. We talk about your upcoming rookie drafts. And then today we decided we're going to take, you know, a big leap and we're going to get a little bit weird. Careful. And we're going to talk talk all tight ends here. It's kind of like your your favorite television show where it's been pretty normal and then all of a sudden it's like a sopranos where tony's in a dream sequence for like 45 minutes that's gonna be today's show billy everybody just logged off i just saw like live count go from 50 to three so everyone's like tight ends i'm out i'm uh, later deal i'm out i'm I'm not doing this (laughs) tight 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 end tight end twitter and and tight end fantasy is always like you know certain people like it more than others but it's a, a necessary build it billy it's you know and i know especially in the ffpc where we play with those tight end premium, you've got to nail that position. You can do it different ways, but you need to have weekly production from that position. If you're going to take down a lot of money that in the season. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and if you can hit on those late tight ends, it is such a, a huge advantage versus people who are spending that early draft capital. You know, we have the Travis Kelsey's who are just outperforming the field left and right year after year. But if you can find somebody that's finishing in that, back in tier one or maybe that high end tier two and you were able to get late in drafts, I think it's it's a it's a massive advantage versus the field. It's also an interesting one because every single season we see guys seemingly come out of nowhere. Guys who are not drafted in the first 15 rounds, 20 rounds, who end up being impactful for our fantasy teams. You know, Dalton Schultz is a, is a fantastic example. This week or excuse me, within the last week he just signs with Houston he kind of made his bones as an undrafted guy who was like a league winner. And we think back over the years to Darren Waller in 2019, he started getting drafted, but you're talking about a guy that you were drafting from rounds like 12 through 20, who ends up making this massive, massive impact for for your fantasy team. It's the one position where sleepers really seem to hit running back. You occasionally get these guys who, you know, take advantage of an injury 
you know, maybe a, maybe a backup, but we kind of know about those guys, the handcuffs in the preseason. What do you think it is about the tight end position where guys can kind of come out of nowhere and, and make big impacts? I think it's, it's a few things. One, usually injuries at some point catapult a tight end up uh, the performance charts. And then you also have uh, offenses, you know, trying to get maybe a, a younger tight end more involved and, and they are phasing out an older tight end. Uh, it also is going to be, you know, red zone packages that they have success in and they start utilizing them more throughout the field, or maybe they struggled in their blocking schemes. And then as they, they kind of developed and became more comfortable blocking, then they allow them to start running routes because people forget the tight end position is one of the hardest positions in football to learn. And that is why tight ends take so long to develop, right? You are not only learning blocking schemes, but you're also running, learning the route trees. And so by, you know, fantasy perspectives, we're just hoping these guys burst onto the scenes and are successful from day one. But from an NFL standpoint, where we, we need to remove our fantasy hats, we have to remember that they have more than one assignment. It's not just catching the ball. It's also blocking. Yeah, I think that's a great, great point. Uh, Kyle Pitts, you know, during his rookie season was, was very interesting. Um, you know, he, he ended up having production. But a lot of these rookies, they take a little while. Even the ones who make a big impact towards the second half of the year, they might have a very quiet start. You think of Pat Fryermuth, um, a guy who's been a very solid fantasy player in his career. It took him a while before Mike Tomlin really leaned on him. If you recall, his rookie year was him and Eric Ebron, and they were kind of splitting the usage. Muth gets an opportunity and runs with it, and he was a guy in our in our lineups for like, you know, let's call it like weeks nine and on. So it it really, that that learning curve is a tough one. And I think that this year, we're kind of back to it where you're going to have to weigh whether you want exposure to some of these rookie tight ends because, you know, it's going to be, one of the the highest drafted positions historically, like for what we're talking about in day one and day two, you're going to see eight of these guys get drafted. So you're going to end up with a bunch of these rookies where you're going to say, hey, do I want to draft this rookie who seems very exciting, um, you know, who might have a little bit of a learning curve versus, you know, this veteran who we think could take a step up. Um, so it's it's definitely a great year to to take a deep dive into this position. But Billy, I really wanted to get your opinion on a couple of the latest news events before we get started with the, with the tight ends. Uh, and a quick reminder to everyone, if you didn't listen to our show with JJ Zacharyson from yesterday, it was fantastic. Highly, highly recommend you go and listen to that one. Uh, uh, but uh, Billy, I first want to get your reaction to this Cleveland Browns, New York Jets trade. Kind of out of left field, but how are you feeling about Elijah Moore right now in Cleveland? I think it's good for his fantasy uh, outlook for 2023. I, I think we can all agree that a change of scenery was needed for him to kind of revitalize his career. I did the recording with Dave on the Dominator last week, Dave Richards from CBS, um, and he had kind of projected that the Elijah Moore would be part of the trade package for Aaron Rodgers, which I, I really liked that idea. And I don't think he's wrong, right? We did see him move to Cleveland, but I think that they needed that extra round to pick in order to get this Aaron Rodgers deal done. I think that this is all still in the works. And I think that this was part of the, the, the greater puzzle from solving the matrix of Aaron Rodgers landing inside the jets. And I do think though, that it's going to be good for his output for 2023. I haven't finalized his projections here on Cleveland yet. Um, but just kind of looking at the AFC North and taking a look at the um, opportunities that were available inside of the passing game for um, the Browns, 
Uh, currently, like I had, you know, David Bell slotted for, you know, prior to the trade for a 10% target share. I had Amari Cooper projected for a 26% target share. David Ajoku at the time was 15.5% target share. Harrison Bryant was 6.5% target share. Donovan Peoples-Jones was 18% target share. So I think it's safe to say that all of these players will see a reduction in some capacity in target share. We'll probably see somewhere in the neighborhood of 13.5 to 14.5, maybe maybe 16 at the highest for Elijah Moore inside of this offense. Um, And so I'm excited to see um, what the number is officially. I'm going to work on that tonight, and I'll have that updated on the rankings for tomorrow over at Player Profiler. Yeah, I think you hit on a couple of, of of interesting interesting things there. And apparently, I'm I'm reading our YouTube comments yesterday, Billy, and I used the word "dusted" too much, so I'm not going to use the word "dusted." But I do think that David Bell is effectively ruled out of of your of your of your projections. I think you can you and you and Dario can take a little break on that one because it's going to be difficult to see David Bell make a leap with Elijah Moore there. I mean, yeah. Elijah Moore, you're talking about a guy that is we were so excited on as a community, maybe overly excited, but the, he had some just tremendous, tremendous uh, productive weeks. The sample size was small, but in terms of all the metrics, he had like that six week span as a rookie where he really, really flashed. Then unfortunately ends his season on an injury. And, you know, last year was a, was a really a complete loss season. He was b- b- beefing with the coaching staff. Uh, we find out that he basically told off the offensive coordinator that kid news came in the off season, cursed the guy out. Um, a lot of us fantasy managers also wanted to curse him out um, because he wasn't using Elijah Moore. And I definitely had your back on that one, Elijah, but it's like, this is, this is a great opportunity. We saw Amari Cooper when he moved to Cleveland, his ADP was moved down. He was going at, at, a, at a level that we hadn't seen him go for, for a while. And he finishes as a top 10 wide receiver last year in Cleveland. I think we could see an Elijah Moore revival this year. I think that there's a chance that he has a pretty interesting target share. I think for me, one, one thing that this could do is David Njoku seems to be, and that's a tight end we're going to talk about today, but I think David Njoku's chances of being the number two target on the team kind of go out the window. I think it's yeah. going to be Elijah Moore. I think he gets that opportunity. And how much he cuts into Amari Cooper remains to be seen because Amari Cooper was just so effective last year. But I think for Donovan Peoples-Jones, he's become like a guy that people were really excited that he could maybe take a leap as the wide receiver two. He's clearly the wide receiver three to me. I think Elijah Moore can do a number of things. Donovan Peoples-Jones, not to be cliche, but I think he's a guy that will be a little bit better in best ball. But I'm interested in Elijah Moore there. Yeah, it's very interesting. So Donovan Peoples-Jones... I mean, I had projected a massive leap here and we saw the leap last year. He was sneaky good, kind of always in the top 35 in wide receiver weekly rankings in 2022. I It's one of my most owned best ball players right now. So I was a little you know, upset to see Elijah Moore land here. But I do think this is going to hurt um, Njoku probably the most, right? They're running similar routes, you know, across the middle underneath. Um, and we look at the the target share. Prior to that, I had Njoku kind of in that Evan Ingram Kyle Pitts range in terms of output for the 2023 season from a a PPR standpoint in tight end premium. Now, now this slides him in the Dalton Schultz and above Greg Dulcich area and Chigo, you know, a a, a small damper in production, but I still think that he has an opportunity to still produce as a tight end one, but it's more towards the back end. Now in terms of uh, DPJ, 
it's interesting because he has such good chemistry with Watson last year. When you're watching it, he consistently went to him on first reads at times, second reads at, at the latest. Um, he was always looking DPJ's way. So I'm curious if that chemistry continues. Um, you know, it's clear Amari Cooper is is the alpha and, and the top dog and is going to command the most targets on this team. But um, the number two spot, I still think it's up for grabs. I think it's I think it'll change on a week to week basis, whether that's Najoku, whether it's DPJ, whether it's Elijah Moore. I think we're going to see some sort of rotation at the number two most targeted, um, you know, receiving option in this offense in 2023 until they can get into a rhythm and they'll probably establish somebody. But I think it will rotate on a week to week basis at first. You know, and, and one interesting thing is, is. Deshaun Watson, because Deshaun Watson, nobody's really talking about with this. Like Watson suddenly has some weapons there. Kareem Hunt is no longer a Cleveland Brown. Nick Chubb is there. Of course, Nick Chubb's going to get his, but maybe they're going to be a little bit less run heavy um, and a little bit more of a comfort level with letting Deshaun kind of expand his expand um, his opportunities and just the, the the passing volume in Cleveland. I think it'll be super interesting. That's a fun one to talk about, Billy but I got to get your opinion on one thing here. What is the fantasy community going to do when Ezekiel Elliott signs with Philadelphia and gets like three times as much money as Rashad Penny? Oh God. It's from a fantasy perspective, it'd probably be a pretty good landing spot with the amount of, of, of goal line carries he's going to get. He'll be a pure goal line back. We're talking kind of like LeGarrette Blunt, the year that we saw him inside new England. It's just all he did was score touchdowns and ran for two yards of carry. Right. And then we saw the same thing with Jordan Howard when he came over, right. was consistently used inside the goal line. They're probably looking to, to, to add that goal line back. And it's also just going to be a nice little dag, you know, to, to, to Dallas is, Hey, Philly, you know, we, we, we got your running back now. Right. And, and so I think this also could be like a psychological warfare from like Philly to, 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 to Dallas. Um, I don't really want to see it happen because we know it's just going to be this three man rotation or now four man rotation is going to be uh, Gainwell. It's going to be Penny. It's going to be Scott. It's going to be Ezekiel Elliott. It's, it's going to be pretty gross. Honestly. Um, I, I don't really like the idea of it quite frankly. I think the only person who might like it is Nick Sirianni, who I think deep, deep down might want to like, like, uh, you know, play four running backs or, or three running backs every single game. We talked with JJ yesterday. We talked about what happens if Bijan, lands in uh, in philadelphia and just sees all the volume and then we see the zeke rumor today it's kind of a rumor put out by zeke i want to add that for our listeners zeke zeke basically said the three teams he wants to sign with uh and he mentioned the eagles one team is interesting though billy this would be like an ezekiel elliott bounce ezekiel elliott signing with cincinnati would be mm-hmm. kind of interesting you have the joe mixon situation a little bit slightly up in the air nothing really but these situations could always take a a a step south if more news is kind of dumped. Uh, if Zeke signs with Cincy, you got to kind of like that for his best ball value. Yeah, I think we would see a, a jump in ADP, right? He's he's consistently going right now. I got him as at FFPC the other day. I got him as running back 48 off the board, right? And if he lands inside Cincinnati, I'd probably expect him to see him somewhere in the 30s, honestly. Um, running back 34 through 37, depending upon what they do with... with um, Joe Mixon, if, if he ends up, you know, ditching town, uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Zeke even jump even higher just because we know they're going to have goal and opportunities. We know they're going to have short yardage. We know they're going to evolve in the passing game. Um, there's going to be opportunities for him to produce there, even at this point in his career when he is, quote unquote, dusted, 
right? And and we're and we're making sure now at this point we're just we're drafting off the name, right? But there is going to be certain landing spots where he's no longer dusted per se, and he's going to be able to produce simply because of the efficiencies of the offense. And I think Cincinnati is one of those. And I think that sometimes we we like to, even though Zeke looked like he was running with a piano on his back uh, for the second half of the season last year, a dusted piano. Like an old piano you find at like, uh, I don't even know, like uh, some estate sale or something, Billy. It's like (laughs) needs the keys adjusted. It's very dirty. Maybe it needs to get buffed, but it's a piano nonetheless. (laughs) That's Zeke right there. I think that one thing like these these coaches and also like these owners, as we've seen with Jerry Jones, when they get like a big name veteran, there's always a little bit of internal pressure to try to find him a role. So if Zeke is okay and he he lands in Cincy to kind of, take over the Samaje P Ryan role, like a, like a poor man, Samaje P Ryan. I could, I could kind of see that. And how 2023 Ezekiel, Elliott, poor man, Samaje P Ryan, where, where here we are, where we've officially arrived. Hey, we're excited about Samaje P Ryan, man. That, um, and then the jets, that doesn't do anything for you. Right. If he's, if he signs with the jets, it's like God, the jets are so gross. It's, I, I would say it's safe to move Brees Hall down rankings. If he signs with the jets, I think that would be a sign that they aren't happy with, or comfortable with where Brees Hall is inside of his recovery, and they want to add depth. I would say that's you know rest in peace. Uh, any Carter production left in the, that was there, rest in peace. Goal line carries for Brees Hall on a consistent basis. He'd still be the primary back when healthy, but it's going to be another mouth to feed and a, a back that you know is really able to capitalize on opportunities in the red zone. So I don't like the outlook there for Brees Hall if he does if if Zeke does land there. Yeah, it, I, I don't know. It's also one of those. I think it's like it's kind of like um, when an NBA team is going for a title and you see all these veterans kind of joining up on on one team. Like you think about like guys who have joined the Lakers late in their career. You have Odell Beckham being linked to the Jets. We think the Aaron Rodgers is going to go uh, trade is going to go down to the Jets. So you, you're getting Odell, Zeke, Aaron Rodgers, all these old guys just, you know, kind of like linking all together. I think there's also a little bit of that. So I don't know. I kind of liked Michael Carter and Zonovan Knight. I think those two guys like being in a little training camp battle for the handcuff job would have been interesting. But hey, if they bring in Zeke, you're absolutely right. We got to downgrade those guys significantly. Um, looking forward to talking uh, some some tight ends coming up, though, here, Billy. Yeah. Before we jump into that, I, I want to ask you a question. Have you seen this TV that Epson printers installed at Matt's house? It's awesome. It's awesome. Everybody, if you haven't seen it, stay stay tuned. We want to show you just what they did for Matt. They installed this gigantic screen that's perfect for watching sports. Stay tuned. Take a look at this. We'll be right back. Hey, it's the Podfather. And you know, I have a new way to watch sports on my Epson Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector, which includes their 120-inch silver flex screen. Courtesy of my friends at Epson, who set me up with the projector and the screen for free. If you're looking for a new 75-inch or 85-inch TV, you have no idea what you could have. This is 120 inches. This is a mega screen. It's like having four 60-inch TVs mounted on your wall. It's twice as big as an 85-inch screen. It's twice as big as an 85-inch flat screen, which are very expensive, by the way. My wife looked it up. and She's like, oh, wow, this is a really good deal. It is. It's a new type of television experience. Because Epson has this amazing three LCD laser projection technology to produce an immersive, super bright 4K Pro UHD picture. Don't take my word for it. Go to Best Buy and demo it. It's 
truly epic and epic, epic vision. And I haven't even used it yet for gaming. Oh, my God. PlayStation. Oh, my God. Go to Epson.com slash podfather to learn more. Epson.com. Learn more about the Epic Vision Ultra LS800 laser projector. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles. We win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. 120 inches. That's, that's it. That's insane. I have an 80-inch TV at my house, and that thing just makes it. That's the thing that's just going to, you know, dwarf it. Do you see that thing, Matt next to that thing? Matt looks like, you know, he's just like a, a kid next to, you know, this, this giant TV. It's, it's, it's pretty impressive. 120 is um, absolutely a flex. I have a 90 inch TV. Um, the Greminger household is rocking a 90 and I see that 120. I'm like to my wife, I'm like, I gotta, I gotta upgrade it. She's like, you're nuts. We have a, we have a big enough TV, but I, I, it's definitely on the, on the, uh, the short list of, of the next things I want to get. But Billy, we got to start a tight end show at the top. Travis Kelsey in my show sheet here is how are we treating him like in our FFPC leagues? And as a reminder to anybody who doesn't play FFPC, uh, it's 1.5 points per, per reception for tight ends. So a guy like Travis Kelsey in a normal PPR league will be a lock first round pick. But in FFPC, he's probably going closer to the top. It seems like in our best ball drafts, it's Justin Jefferson at the one most of the time. Then for me, the decision uh, with, with Kelsey starts at the 103. For you, it kind of started at the 102. What are your thoughts? So every year, I think this is going to be the year where Travis Kelsey starts to kind of fall off the cliff, but it, it just continues to be the focal point of the offense and the trusted target of Patrick Mahomes. I don't think that's going to be looking to change in 2023 as they continue to lean on each other and continue to produce. Um, Travis Kelsey, when I ran the projections in the FFPC and we utilized the script that Dario and I made in R, um, Travis Kelsey came in at the 101 in FFPC rankings for replacement value. So what is replacement value? Like if, if it, it, it takes essentially like the entire pool of players and it, it, and it, it, it works in the code to say, what is it, where should he be ranked if you had to replace this player inside of the other pool? And Kelsey did land at the 101. Um, as a player and as a drafter, I knew, know that we can get Kelsey at the two, at the three, at the four. So I manually moved him down to, I think, player three inside the FFPC rankings. But I do want that to be noted in this, in this call that when the script and the projections and the model was ran, he came as the default 101, and it was by a significant margin. From just a pure PPR output, Justin Jefferson has a 353.8 points in my projections, and you look at Travis Kelsey in PPR, 314. That's not including the, the tight end premium. So if you include the tight end premium from a, from a production standpoint, from a raw projections, Travis Kelsey should technically be the 101 at FFPC. I think an argument can be made for you to select him there, but knowing that you can get him at the three, at the four at times, it makes sense to just take him at a later point and mix in other players like Jamar Chase uh, Christian McCaffrey and Justin Jefferson in the one, two and three spots. Yeah, it's, it's definitely, it's definitely interesting to me. And, and you say it very, very well, but we did see it's wild. Travis Kelsey, you know, was 
32 years old to start last season. He's 33 now. Um, and he saw the most targets he's ever had in his career this past season in the first season that the Tyreek Hill was gone from Kansas city. So like brushing it aside and saying, you know, he gets a little bit older, so there'll be regression. I think that's the wrong way to, to treat Travis Kelsey. He's a, he's a player that is absolutely aging. Yeah. A unicorn. And he, you rarely see him take a big hit. He's, he's, he's very, very nuanced in in the way that he plays. Uh, He gets out of bounds when he needs to. And he really seems to have it down where he avoids that, that big hit. So like, he's got a game that looks like it's going to age very well. I think how we treat Travis Kelsey as a dynasty asset is also an interesting one because does he have, I think it's a, it's a, it's a pretty decent bet that he could have two elite seasons left in him with a chance that he could have another season. That's like close to elite. So, you know, you could kind of use that age against people, Billy, how long do you see him doing this? I was telling people to sell Tom Brady and dynasty for like 10 years. So I don't want to put a number on this because I feel like it's like deja vu all over again, but now for a tight end, let me just read off how elite his production has been. Right. So let's go back to, let's go back to his, his, his season logs. Okay. Starting all the way back in 2016, tight end number two in fantasy points per game, 2017 tight end number two in fantasy points per game. 2018, tied number one in fantasy points per game. 2019, number one. 2020, number one. 2021, number two. 2022, number one. That is a remarkable feat, and it could be considered one of the best tight ends in history, in my opinion, when everything is said and done. And I was going to have to say, I don't see a scenario outside of injury in 2023 in which Travis Kelsey does not finish as the Titan one again. Let me throw out just a a ballpark scenario to you. Deandre Hopkins signs in Kansas city. Still don't think it matters. I think at that point now it's a clear one and two uh, and Kelsey will continue to see third down and red zone opportunities. I, I completely agree with you on that one. It's, it's sort of like if another wide receiver is added, I think you adjust the way that the other wide receivers are treated, Correct. but it's not only like their whole game plan is based on Travis Kelsey. They're actually in heavy two tight end sets and three tight end sets once in a while, a lot more than the average NFL team. I don't have the exact numbers in front of me, but they like like Noah Gray catches a pass every single game. They're they're basically use, using two tight ends in order to feature Travis Kelsey and make things harder on opposing defenses in terms of the packages they use. So Kelsey and Mahomes have better chemistry than arguably any QB receiver combination at this point. And it's really hard to, to not take him. I think for me, I can't take him at the one. I got to go Justin Jefferson. For me, I'm, I'm an ageist. I'm always going to go with the younger player over the older player for better or for worse. That's always been my drafting strategy. But if I get a bunch of 101s in FFPC, I would mix in a little Kelsey. But I think the majority of the time, it's hard for me to do that. For me, it's the two spot. I really want to take Jamar Chase. You're a little bit more open with you know the guys you would consider at the 102. For me, I just think Chase has that massive, massive season season in him that we haven't seen from him yet. Whereas Kelsey, I think we saw it last season. I think he could emulate it, but it's going to be hard for him to beat it. I'm also a lunatic and I draft with Dave. So we'll just create things just to have unique rosters, right? And if it's a donation, it's a donation. But we'll mix things up. Like we'll take, you know, CeeDee Lamb in the two-hole because no one's taking CeeDee Lamb in the two-hole. And that opens up the turn for us, you know, and it's going to create a roster that nobody else has because 
nobody else is taking CD Lamb the tool, right? And so no one's going to have that CD Lamb and Chubb team or, you know, CD Lamb, Devonta Smith and Chubb team. It's going to be very rare. Otherwise, they'd have to reach and get a value on another player in rounds two and three. So the reason I will mix in Kelsey at the one or two or three is also to create those unique rosters from a, an individual who's doing, you know, volume drafting, but it's also, you know, from a number standpoint, it makes sense from a, a, a projection standpoint. I mean, look, I mean, I, we don't need to spend too much time on Travis Kelsey because everyone knows he's the title one, but targets, number one, in the league target share, number three, target rate, number four slot snaps, number three routes run number one, five and 49 routes. Air yards, 1,003, number two of the tight end position. Air yard share, number three. Red zone targets, 30 red zone targets, number one in the tight end position. Receptions, 110, number one. Receiving yards, 1,338, number one. I mean, everything about this guy is just number one, number two, number three, all top 10 in almost every single category on the site over at Player Profiler. Let's not beat the hammer. Let's not beat the drum or beat a dead horse. Let's, let's, Let's move the next tight end. Okay, so we we all agree Kelsey's number one. The the next two tight ends in our current best ball draft that is still going, Billy, it's slowly, slowly coming along here. Mark Andrews gets selected with the 208, and TJ Hawkinson gets selected with the 302. Both of those guys are going to be in that range, maybe slightly higher in certain drafts, but they're both going to be gone before the mid-third, probably closer to the mid-second when it's when the big money weeks come along. We are kind of against the grain here where we're both on TJ Hawkinson as the tight end two overall. It's close, though. I love Hawkinson. I think we've seen in such a short time of him being a Minnesota Viking, you know, kind of his ceiling in that offense. We all saw how he did in the NFL playoffs. Uh, He was basically the New York Giant killer last year in two separate games. But he has such a ceiling in that offense. And I think that the Minnesota offense getting away from potentially Dalvin Cook now, that's still up in the air a little bit. Adam Thielen has moved on. I think everything's kind of shaping up for a TJ Hawkinson smash season. Your, your thoughts on Hawk and why you prefer him to Mandrews. I prefer Hawkinson to Andrews just because I like the, the passing volume that we're going to see inside of Minnesota more than we're going to see inside of Baltimore. There's also the quarterback uncertainty with Lamar. Everything's said and done. I still project Lamar to return to Baltimore and for him to have Andrews as number one target. If everything goes perfectly as planned, I think it's safe to say that Andrews will probably finish ahead of Hawkinson because of the the amount of targets that he's going to see from him just locking in on one target. And we're probably talking about a potential, you know, number one most targeted tight end in the league. That being said, I like the consistency factor of Hawkinson and I like the fact that he's going to be heavily involved in the passing game regardless of who else is going to be here. They just got rid of Adam Thielen. You talked about Dalvin Cook. There's a lot of opportunity available at the tight end of the target share and the distribution, right? Adam Thielen roughly was 16 to 17% annually. And so Hawkinson, we saw that trend down the stretch. I mean, Hawkinson ended up finishing the year number two in targets, 129 targets. I have him projected for right now inside 2023, 139.8 targets. So as Dave would say yesterday, the podcast, that's 140 targets. Right. And so there's a lot of opportunity here for TJ Hawkinson with the loss of, of Thielen. You know, we expect KJ Osborne to take a step forward, right? Where he's probably going to see close 29% target share. But outside that, it's pretty much a, a, a wasteland inside their receiving core. So I think that they are going to have to get running backs involved if that's still going to be Cooks or not to be determined. If it's, you know, Madison, it will still be there. So there's going to be other outlets, but I still think Hawkinson is going to be a major focal point in this offense. 
And if you look at the game logs down the stretch for TJ Hawkinson, 16 targets in week 16, 17, uh, 12 targets in week 17, week 18 sucked. He had one right in the playoffs, then 11 targets against the giants in week 19. So the usage was there and not just the usage, but also the uses in the red zone, four red zone targets in week 16, one in 17, one in 19, right? Prior to that middle of the season, he had stretches of three, one, two, and two all red zone targets in back-to-back weeks with double digit targets across, across games. So nine, 10, nine, nine was kind of like the baseline targets in a game for TJ Hawkinson. And I want that in Titan premium. Yeah, I love it. I, I let's, let's go, let's go a little galaxy brain in right now, Billy. What's, what is a scenario where Mark Andrews kind of makes us look foolish? I'll throw out that the Todd Munkin factor where they bring Todd Munkin in from Georgia and Munkin at Georgia really, really featured the tight ends. Uh, Darnell Washington will be a first or second round pick in the NFL draft. And he was hardly even used. They had Brock Bowers, who's, you know, a Kyle Pitts level prospect, that sort of guy. But he basically the bottom line is the tight end position was so featured in Georgia. I think that there is a chance that the, the pace of play ticks up in Baltimore to a point that Mark Andrews becomes a really good value this year. And I think that, the fact that there's not a wide receiver that's necessarily taking uh, targets away from Mark Andrews, whereas in Minnesota, you have Justin Jefferson, you bring up KJ Osborne, and then there's a chance they add another receiver. So I do think there's a chance that Mandrews is still tight end too. And, and the market's reflecting that. But is there like a scenario where you could see Mandrews just, just really having an awesome season? It is, but it's going to rely on, 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 um, you know, him keeping Lamar there, right? It's, it's a lot of that is dependent there. Cause if he's gone, like there's, I'm going to probably say Andrews could potentially be tight in four, right? Um, there's a lot of wiggle room in these projections. If, if Lamar holds out or he doesn't return to Baltimore. So it's going to be completely dependent upon Lamar, in my opinion, or them getting a veteran there in replacement of, of, of Lamar. And so those are the only two scenarios in my opinion, that would that would allow him to finish as tight end two. My my go to Baltimore Ravens source says Lamar will be back in Baltimore this year, so I'm I'm going to go with him on that. But I will say that if he's wrong, Billy, is there a chance that that they replace Lamar Jackson with a if you know a, a placeholder and the passing volume goes way up? Could there be a scenario where the chemistry is gone, but the the just the 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 volume of passing is is there to an extent that Andrews is targeted enough, or would you just have concerns about the whole offense? I would have concerns about the whole offense, right? And it's also, there's another variable here is it's Bateman, right? They're, they still have hopes about his foot and his recovery, but the fact that we're still talking about his foot recovery, even now in March is still a concern to me. Um, and, and I think that it's a lot's going to be depending upon his other um, partners in the passing game because if if Bateman's there great it's gonna it's gonna you know it's another option for them not to double team not to double team him but if if they don't have Bateman there and it's just a bunch of scrubs um like it was last year uh, there's there's a I think a real argument to be made that they're gonna double team him and it's gonna hurt him not having that other receiver it's fun talking about those two guys and uh definitely two guys that were, we're totally fine with you drafting at cost right now in FFPC leagues. There's another tight end though, that was basically the talk of the end of the summer. 
we we talk about a, a preseason long reception for Kyle Pitts. Um, and all of a sudden that ADP just started creeping up and up and up. And I may or may not have selected Kyle Pitts at the end of the first round in a in an FFPC main event last year. That's how confident I was in him. He was one of the the worst picks at ADP you could have made in the FFPC. Um, that was that was a team that that was a disaster for me. Thankfully, I did well on some other teams, but Pitts last year was like the steam. And he reached that first round. Everybody was talking about him. There were certain people who liked him more than Kelsey at the end of the summer. That was a tough one. But now we're starting to see him at an affordable ADP, Billy. In this particular draft we're in, he goes in the fourth round, as opposed to last year when you're having to take him in the early second, late first in in tight end premium. Let's call Kyle Pitts somewhere in the fourth or fifth round this year. Do you are you going to have exposure to him at that price? Not a lot. I still don't think it's low enough. Uh, we just haven't seen the output that would, in my opinion, validate him going this high in drafts. I was expecting to see him somewhere in that five to six turn like we saw last year with with Goddard. Right. And I just don't think that. Arthur Smith has the stones to utilize Kyle Pitts in the manner in which we all wish as a fantasy manager. It, it's it's infuriating, quite frankly. And they they when they do use him, they utilize him just incorrectly. They throw him out wide and he's not creating mismatches against linebackers. And, you know, he's he's being covered by cornerbacks and he's not that he's not, you know, as fast. It, it, it's not as big of a mismatch is what I'm trying to say. And so I don't like how they utilize him. I don't like the underutilization. I do think he's going to get in better. I just don't know if 2023 is going to be the year in which it happens. I still think he's developing and I still think this offense isn't quite ready for two massive target share, you know, or target. I, I don't know the correct word I'm trying to look for here. It, two people who are going to, you know, command that much target share because we still have Drake London here who, who commands a lot of targets as well. And so this, the amount that this offense runs, I'm kind of scared with Kyle Pitts ADP right now. And I don't like where he's going. Like you take a look at my projections, right? And if you head over to the site, we have now FFPC specific uh, projections. And so this is worked in with the tight end premium. Um, I have, I have Kyle Pitts as tight end nine, Theo. I have him behind Dallas Goddard, behind George Kittle, behind Pat Fryermuth, behind Darren Waller and behind Evan Ingram. From a talent perspective, perspective, and just from a raw athleticism standpoint, Kyle Pitts is up there at number one, probably in my book, if not top two or three easily. But the utilization, the concerns of the offense, the amounts that they run, to me, doesn't warrant his draft going inside round four at FFPC. I just don't like it. I would, if, if I, I would start taking ex- some exposure in round five to round six. But at that point, why? I can wait and take someone like Pat Fryermuth later. I can wait and take someone like Darren Waller later. I can wait and take someone like Evan Ingram later, who I know are going to have similar workloads somewhere in that you know 90 target range, if not more, who have equal opportunity on their team to be the number two target in, in their offense and have a track record of success, who have a coach that utilize their skill sets accordingly. I am out on Kyle Pitts again in 2023. So I, I won't be completely out, um, but I agree with you that there's a lot of red flags of taking him at that ADP. 
Um, and Arthur Smith, the weirdo, is probably going to designing plays for Mac Hollins and Jonu Smith as we speak. We're probably going to be annoyed at his usage for Drake London and Kyle Pitts again. So that's a headache I want to kind of avoid. Um, but I don't know. To me, he's interesting because we often do see a leap from year two to year three. If you like treated Kyle Pitts like a normal tight end and we didn't have this this season where if you just flipped it around and you had the rookie year last year and you had this this past year being his rookie year, I think the trajectory would be a little different. So we have seen Kyle Pitts do it on an NFL field. Um, but again, when you talk about the, his ADP here, you're talking about, you know, Ramondre Stevenson. You're talking about Amari Cooper. You're talking about a number, a number of these players, Najee Harris, DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Pittman, DJ Moore. They're all going to be kind of in that range. So it's not necessarily, do you like Kyle Pitts? It's, do you like Kyle Pitts compared to the players around him? So I think we're pretty much on the same page. We really like the talent, not necessarily the situation. Uh, want to talk about another, another tight end from, from your San Francisco 49ers is George Kittle. He's older. He's 29 now. and he's a little more affordable ADP wise. So the days of George Kittle kind of challenging for tight end one in ADP are, are long gone, but can he be a guy that we can trust this season in San Francisco around a very crowded set of skill position players, arguably, and I don't even think it's arguably, I think these are the most talented skill position players collectively that he's ever been around in San Francisco since he got there with Brandon Ayuk, Debo Samuel and Christian McCaffrey. You're the 49ers guy. Where are you at on George Kittle? I think he's properly priced. Um, I think regardless of who's at quarterback and, and, and what's going to happen, we're going to see a, a very similar usage from him. It was nice to see the latter half of 2022 and how he's utilized down the stretch. That's what you kind of expect from George Kittle when you take him where, where you take him. And you know, in my opinion, he has the athleticism and the ability to finish as tight end one in the league, but just, breaks down to Kyle Shanahan, how they're going to utilize him on a week to week basis because they have Debo Samuel, because they have Christian McCaffrey. There's a lot of other weapons that they can utilize in a lot of different creative ways that they can attack defenses. Um, not crazy about the quarterback situation right now. I'm not necessarily a Lance believer. Um, I was definitely a Purdy believer. Um, it's unfortunate, you know, with the, the ulnar nerve and him getting surgery and, and, you know, that delayed timeline. And so, um, I think right now it's Lance's job to lose just because of that injury. And I don't think that's necessarily going to benefit George Kittle in 2023. Yeah. So he's interesting to me because I think that with his ADP cost here, you can kind of be willing to kind of stomach the swings. Occasionally, I feel like you're going to run into these, you know, George Kittle games where he doesn't make an impact, but he's still a, a tight end that's capable of putting up a 25 point week and winning you your week. So I think. Where he's priced, I think I'm kind of in on Kittle. He's also a guy that I think you can start kicking the, the tires on in Dynasty because people are worried about that, that age. But he's a phenomenal athlete. He has a massive contract, and he's a, a very popular 49er. So I think that your window for George Kittle in San Francisco uh, is a little bit longer than I think certain people think. So Kittle, I'm kind of I'm in on, um, and I'm borderline excited about him at his ADP. Again, in our in our best ball tournament we're doing now, he's drafted in the fourth round. So again, it's kind of like the opportunity cost thing. But I think you can, especially in best ball, do some very nice George Kittle builds. When it comes down to it in in when we're in August and September in the main events, that'll be a little more interesting for me. 
But I think in best ball, I'm certainly in on George Kittle. Wanted to jump over to the across the country to New York, a guy we talked about when he was moved, Darren Waller. We were both really excited when this happened. Now we have a little bit more time to think about it. Uh, how, how is his outlook? And I'll give you a head to head. Darren Waller in 2023 or another former giant, Evan Ingram in 2023. Uh, this was the debate last night in the debut episode of Man vs. Machine. I picked Darren Waller. The machine, a.k.a. Dario, picked Evan Ingram. Um, I like the landing spot for Darren Waller simply because we know he's going to be utilized, right? They went out and traded a third round pick, pick 100 for Darren Waller. Anytime someone gives up you know, capital inside the top three rounds, you know they're going to be utilized. On top of it, they took a look at this you know, wide receiver free agent class and they said, hey, we need to give our now franchise quarterback some weapons because the likes of Sterling Shepard, who continues to see you know, season-ending injuries, the likes of Wandale Robinson, the likes of Darius Slayton, Jeff Smith, Daniel Bellinger, just isn't getting it done. They even re-signed Isaiah Hodgins, right? None of this is is screaming like dangerous to me from from you know if I'm a DB inside the NFL. Um, they went out and signed Paris Campbell, who's got speed. I like Paris Campbell. I like I like the fact that he was able to remain healthy last year. But w- when I take a look at Darren Waller, I say he immediately steps into an eighteen to twenty percent target share. He immediately is going to see arguably the number one option in this offense, right? And when we look back at his success, that's what he was when he was with the Raiders. He was the number one option in their offense. And I know that Dable has never deployed a tight end in in the same regard, but uh, my argument last night on Man vs. Machine, if you haven't seen it, please go back and watch Man vs. Machine. It's a debate show. I mentioned the fact that Dable has never had a tight end to to this degree of athleticism that Darren Waller has and the, the freakish ability for him just to, to create mismatches. So I think that they're going to utilize him as they would like a number one. And I think that Darren Waller is in line for, you know, hundred targets this season. So I am, would not be surprised to see him kind of regain form as a, a top option in, in the, in, in, in the, in the tight end uh, landscape. I do think though, that his days of being elite, the, you know, top one, two, three days are gone. I don't think that we're going to see that level of production from him. Can he surprise me and finish there? I think it's within the realm of possibilities, but I, I wouldn't bet on it. Yeah, I think you you hit on a, a number of great points. And like the whole Dable doesn't use tie, his tight end argument uh, with with uh, with, uh, you know, all due respect to the to the machine, Dario. That's a that's a tough argument to have, because who's the best tight end he had in Buffalo? Dawson Knox. Um, I mean, it's it's been like a really, really scarce position for him. And he did have Dawson Knox finish as tight end 10. I know he did it behind, you know, the strength of of catching touchdowns and not volume, but he got him inside the tight end one line. You're talking about a guy in Darren Waller who's had two 90 plus reception seasons in his career. He had two top three finishes at the tight end spot. And then he also had another year where he finished top five in tight end points per game. So the 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 like the the talent is there. The past to tight, uh, the past uh, fantasy production is there. And then I think a very simple, just a simple way to go about trying to find uh, a tight end you want to draft. You could listen to Billy and I talk about tight ends for two hours. You can listen to us talk about tight ends all summer long. You can listen to Dario and Billy argue about tight ends and man versus machine. But there's a very simple way of going about looking at tight ends. 
do you think that your tight end can lead your, the team in ta- targets? If you think that he can lead his team in targets, absolutely be in on him. And if you think that he can be top two in targets on his team, you should probably consider that player. If he doesn't finish top two in targets, he's going to need to have an exceptional profile or maybe he's going to need to catch a ton of touchdown passes. And that certainly happens at the tight end spot. But I think when you look at these guys who can lead their team in targets, that's something you cannot discount. Mark Andrews checks that box and Darren Waller certainly checks that box. So I'm, I'm very excited about him in New York. And you talk about Daniel Jones. Daniel Jones loves those short, low A dot passes. Darren Waller can thrive in those. And Billy, I don't think they're done yet. I think they might add another receiver in the draft. And I think that that offense could take a step forward, which also means Darren Waller will have more touchdown opportunities. So I'm in on Darren Waller at cost. Billy says that the days of him finishing as a tight, top three tight end are over, but he doesn't need to be there. He just needs to have like a top six tight end season based on his current cost to pay off for. So we're both in on him. Want to want to stay on the East Coast. In our current draft in the state of Pennsylvania, you have Dallas Goddard going at the 404, and then you have Pat Fryermuth going at the 703. To me, Pat Fryermuth is the much better value right now in terms of where people are, are, are drafting them. Fryermuth was very effective last season, ends up finishing inside like that top seven uh, among his position at the tight end. He's entering his third season, and I think people are sleeping on him a little bit right now. I think Deontay Johnson and George Pickens kind of being near him in the target pecking order kind of keeps keeps his cost a little bit low. But Dallas Goddard is the clear number three target in Philly. And Goddard, I think, won people a lot of money last year. But I think he might be being a little bit overdrafted right now in these FFPC drafts. Where are you at on those two and your thoughts on Goddard at an inflated cost? I have Goddard right now as tight end four. So I actually like him ahead of George Kittle this year. Uh, I just like the offense and his usage and his consistent usage more than TJ Hawkinson. Um, and so I, if I have the option, I'm taking Goddard there, although I like the price of Fryermuth better. Right. And I think just from a drafting standpoint, especially if you're doing volume or even more than one or two or three drafts, you need to expose yourself to different tight ends. Um, I like where the ADP on Pratt Fryermuth. I also like his usage. Right. And so uh, we've consistently seen him get better, right? 79 targets in 2021 as a rookie, which was fantastic. We saw 98 targets last year. In my opinion, Firemuth is the number two option on his team. And I think he's actually, you know, Pickens, Pickens I still think, is is probably going to try to take that number two option from Firemuth, but I still think that Pickens is the third option in the passing game. Um, and I love to see the usage that we saw from from Firemuth inside the red zone. I like to see... Um, you know, just how often they were attacking him down the field. He was number four in air yards, right? And so I, I think Fryermuth has a lot of paths to success. In the poker world, we'd say he has a lot of outs, right? He has a lot of outs to finish as a top-tier tight end. I don't think you can go wrong with either or, but I would probably just say mix him up in, in your drafts. Yeah, you probably have the, the right approach there. Again, it's it, like for me, it's when we see these guys take massive ADP jumps, I always get a little bit apprehensive. I certainly don't have any issues with the talent of Dallas Goddard. I think he's an exceptional talent, but it's more about when it all comes down to it. Devonta Smith is elite and AJ Brown is elite. And I think there'll be certain blow up Dallas Goddard games, but we saw a kind of a perfect storm of, of target consolidation with those three this past year. 
where if things change just a little bit slightly stylistically, and I don't think they'll change too much because, you know, they made the Super Bowl and they were fantastic. But if things change just a little bit, I see Dallas Goddard suffering more than than the the big two wide receivers just because of how elite they are. So Goddard to me might be a little bit more of a purgatory guy at his current cost. He's a guy that, hey, give me all the Dallas Goddard and dynasty. But when it comes down to it and the money's on the line, I don't know how much I'll have. Muth, I think, will rise up. I think the seventh round seems a little bit uh, cheap for him. His ADP could be kind of like Dalton Schultz was in FFPC last year. Whereas the the summer kind of crept along, people kind of kept trying to move him towards that 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 elite tier. But I think if you can get him in the seventh round of best ball, I think he's fantastic. Um, Want to talk to you about two young tight ends that we talked about with JJ Zacharyson yesterday, uh, Chig Conquo and Greg Dulcich. We're both very interested in these guys. In our current draft that we're in, they both, uh, excuse me, Greg Dulcich goes in the ninth round and Chig goes in the tenth round. Your thoughts on those two guys? Love them both. Back to back in my rankings, I have um, Dulcich one spot ahead at 11. Um, and now with the Hamler news as well, I think that's going to kind of reconfirm my belief that Dulcich will probably lead him in 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 those in those rankings. Um, Chigo, I think, is I think what he did last year was anything short of miraculous from a um, production standpoint. And and he looked like he's going to be a real difference maker in this league. Um, that being said, the Tennessee Titans and the pass volume scare me a little bit, um, you know, considering what's happening at the quarterback position as well. There's there's some concerns um, looking at just from a raw uh, projection standpoint, Dulcich, I do have um, for more targets again, that, that relates to the, the passing volume of the two offenses. But I do think that um, both are in line for, you know, back end tight end one um, opportunity. Yeah, the, these guys are super, super exciting. And, uh, you know, last year it was Trey McBride was the one that was the, the tight end one drafted by people in Dynasty Leagues. I certainly wish I could trade a couple of a Trey McBride shares for uh, for Dulcich shares and, and Chig shares. I thankfully have a lot of Chig. Wish I had a little more Dulcich. I'll throw out Billy that there's a chance that we see Jerry Judy or Cortland Sutton moved. Um, and I think that that would do a lot more for Dulcich to kind of even bump him up a little bit more. Uh, Sean Payton. I mean, they're very difficult, different players, but we we've seen Sean Payton have great success with tight ends. You think of Jimmy Graham, you think Jared Cook had that one big year in New Orleans. I think that that could be a kind of a way to kind of feature a guy that, that is easy to, to, to connect to. And Dulcich, we remember, was a former wide receiver in college. So he's got that big play potential, too. Um, and he struggled with injuries last year. So like Dulcich, I think, has a chance to be a really, really big time breakout. And Chig was a guy that JJ is also very bullish on. We talked about yesterday uh, between Robert Woods and Austin Hooper. It's very gross to even think about. They, that was 35% of Tennessee's targets. They're gone. So I think that Chig and Traylon Burks, those two guys both have great, great opportunities to take big leaps in year two. Chig uh, is a superior athlete at the tight end position. We also really like looking for like a next level athlete when we're talking about big time fantasy production. So. Chig checks off a couple of boxes. I, I might be more in on those guys than a couple of the veterans that we talked about. Just in terms, if you ask me if, I, if I'm playing high volume and I could have exposure to those guys in the ninth and 10th round versus some of those elite guys, I think I'm on the, the, the cheaper, younger uh, options, Billy. 
Well, when you talked about it earlier, you said, I want to, I want a tight end that's going to be, you know, arguably the number two or the number one inside of the target share distribution. Right now, the projections I have, at least for Tennessee, Traylon Burks is the clear cut one. I think that's pretty, pretty evident. Um, wide receiver position is kind of gross, right? Outside of that. So Chig, in my opinion, is the number two. I have projected for, you know, 16% target share in this offense. You know, what that means is a whole nother, a whole nother discussion because of the low volume. Um, but I, I think that he has the opportunity to be the number two option in this offense. And we talked about his athleticism. I love it, right? We talk about his usage. Uh, I love it. And I think that he's only going to be continue to blossom and develop as a player. Uh, there is a question here that I want to address. It was from Bruce Flash a bit, a bit, a bit ago. Uh, and he says, question, how do I handle a tight end position in FFPC leagues using player profiler rankings? The rankings are significantly lower at the tight end position compared to how my league mates view the position. So two things, Bruce here, um, not sure if you saw it, but we actually do have a drop down now specifically for FFPC. Um, I have worked in the code one to uh, have the Titan premium projections into the rankings there as well. Um, I also, with Dario's help, the machine's help, I, um, I was able to add some code in there to consider ADP as well. Um, but the overall overlay with tight end premium is just overlaid on my seasonal projections. And then we increase the tight end to tight end premium, which is 1.5 at FFPC, but they are separate rankings now at player profiler that went live last week. So it's brand new. If you haven't seen it yet, I highly suggest going over there. I'm going to go ahead and put it inside the chat right now um, for everyone who hasn't seen it. So you can go on over right now to player profiler. Uh, that link will take you to the FFPC rankings, and it's actually tied right now to the tight end position, which is what we're discussing. Uh, before we end, Theo, as well, there's we had someone also comment that, are we going to talk about some sleeper tight ends? And I know they weren't on the sheet, so I'm going to throw you a curveball here. And if we go over an hour, I don't care. No, um, we, can go, we can go as long <laughs> as you want, Billy. I, I actually want to, before, before, before I, you know, we answer the sleeper tight ends, I, I got to want to ask you about two or three guys. And guys, if you, this is like, Billy is a is a super super organized guy, meticulous with his rankings, meticulous with his thoughts and, and to you know his answers on our show sheet. But this is like your favorite rapper just dropping like a freestyle album. So I want to hear Billy freestyle here. Dalton Schultz in Houston. Do you have any hope for him in Houston? I do. Yeah. I mean, again, we look at the options that are there, right? Let, let, let me pull up my rankings or my projections. Okay, so. I'll pull them up here. Let's go to the AFC South. All right. So we take a look at what they have currently, right? So we know they traded Brandon Cooks to Dallas. That's gone. Well, there's 22% of the target share. Okay. Let's go ahead and take a look at it. Okay. Well, right now, their leading receivers are Robert Woods, Nico Collins, and John Mechie, if he's healthy enough to, to start camp is the, the word on the street. So in my opinion, Dalton Schultz is the number one option in this offense. I haven't projected for 16% target share. That is 93.6 targets. Or as Dave said yesterday, that is, that is pretty much 94, right? And so I, I think that um, anytime you can see a tight end with 90 plus targets, in my opinion, uh, he needs to be a priority add inside of your uh, drafts. I know the offense isn't um, appealing. It's probably going to be pretty gross. We don't know exactly who's starting at quarterback right now. But we do know one thing. This offense is probably going to be bad. And we do know another thing is their defense isn't the best. 
And so what does that mean? It means they're going to have a lot of opportunity to throw the ball. They're going to be playing from behind and they're going to be, you know, passing the ball significantly or significant amount of times every week. Um, and that means a lot of opportunity for Dalton Schultz. So 16% target share is the projection right now. That's probably light in my opinion. I'm, I'm a pretty conservative ranker when it comes to um, target distribution. Uh, but 93.6 targets. I haven't projected for 3.6 touchdowns right now. Again, that might be a little light. Um, probably going to see more like four to five. Um, and, and that's going to give him, you know, roughly right now in my tight end rankings, he comes out to be tight end number 10. So I'm taking him ahead of Najoku right now, especially after the, the, the news, uh, the trade news with Elijah Moore. I'm taking him ahead of Dulcich. I'm taking him ahead of Chigo right now. Although I do have a lot of Chigo as one of my most owned tight ends because I like to wait. Yeah, it's super interesting because I I was like I'm I've never been a Dalton Schultz fan. I've in the whether it's on player profiler podcast or the Goat District podcast, I've always kind of been negative towards Dalton Schultz. But he takes a one year prove it deal in Houston. That Houston's going to start uh, most likely a, a rookie a rookie quarterback at least at times during the year. And right now his target competitions like Nico Collins, John Mechie. And uh, whoever they decide to draft. So to me, it's uh, it's super interesting. Uh, excuse me, Robert Robert Woods as well is now is now a Houston Texan, correct? Yeah, yeah. Robert Woods. Yeah, but it, so it's there's gross, nobody. But yes, yeah, it's, it's very fair. it's very gross. But I I feel like it's uh, it's actually like Schultz has like a decent a decent floor. Like if you want a floor play at the tight end, like I think Schultz is there. I think his spike weeks are going to be way less frequent than in Dallas, oh, where. Where, you know, he'd have that big week that could win it for you. But again, I think he's going to settle into like round 10 ADP uh, in FFPC. So he's going to be affordable this year. Um, and can he lead the Houston Texans in targets this year? I think I there's think a can. there's a wild scenario where he can. So uh, am I am I grossly in on Dalton Schultz? I think I might be, Billy. We might have to edit this part of the show. Let's go rap, <laughs> rap, rapid fire. Tyler Higby. Ooh, I like Higby this year. This is another one. I actually, I, I had him one spot ahead of Chigo initially, but he moved one spot below. So he's tied in 14 right now in my rankings. Um, you look, Allen Robinson is rumored to be on the trading block and you know, it is probably gone from LA. He hasn't done much that leaves Cooper cup and, and that's pretty much it. Right. So let's take a look exactly at the names. Allen Robinson, probably gone. Van Jefferson's there. Um, he's pretty much a burner. Tutu Atwell, okay, doesn't do much for me. Uh, Skoranek, doesn't do much for me. Okay, um, so it's Cooper Cup and Tyler Higby. What did we just say? Theo, we want a tight end who's going to be one or two. Um, we also take a look at what Tyler Higby did uh, in his game logs last year, and I think that we can see a similar trend heading 2023. He was underutilized kind of in the middle of the season. Um, and then he really picked up to the end. And I know we had the Cooper cup injury, but still, um, even with Cooper cup on the field weeks, one, two, and four, he saw double digit targets, right? Then at the end, he saw 11 targets week, 16, seven week, 18, right? But the beauty about all these were red zones. So week 15, one red zone attempt. We saw week 16, four red zone attempts. We saw one red zone attempt, 17, one red zone in 18, right? Double touchdowns against Denver in week 16. So um, I think that we can expect a similar usage like we saw down the stretch leading into 2023 for uh, Higby. I am oddly in on Higby this year. Yeah, it's funny because Higby last year finishes great. He's like tight end. What is he tight end six or something crazy like that? And in our current draft, he's tight end 16. 
I think that the chances of him finishing higher than tight end 16 are so strong. The chances of, of finishing lower than tight end 16 are very low. So does he have the potential to help you win, win, your, win the league or be a league winner? No, but he can be a very useful player for you in a, in a tight end premium uh, format like this. Now, in terms of I'll go answer the sleeper question right now with this is this is where we're going to find our sleeper, Billy. We do not have clarity on the tight end in Dallas this year. Right now, it's Jake Ferguson. Um, but oh, draft somebody. They're definitely going to draft somebody. They've been they've been linked to Michael Mayer, who's my favorite tight end in this draft class. Then you have the Green Bay Packers, who in a lot of mock drafts have been linked to Dalton Kincaid, Michael Mayer, Darnell Washington. They might take a tight end in the top 20 picks of the NFL draft. The Cincinnati Bengals, they don't have a tight end right now. Um, Hayden Hurst is now a Carolina Panther. I don't think we can need to waste 10 seconds on Hayden Hurst, Billy. We'll talk about more interesting tight ends unless you want to go real Hursty. I kind of wanted to go. Okay, deep. So we'll go deep Let, after them. Let's get let's finish this this one. So then you have, I mean, if we're going to do an all tight end show, we might as well just embrace it and get totally disgusting here and start talking about Jacecki, Hayden Hurst, Juwan oh, Johnson. We're going, we're going for it. But let's, I, let's just finish, do it. Let's finish this one. So Dallas, Green Bay, Cincinnati, the Los Angeles Chargers and the Miami Dolphins. That's where Chargers our, got two tight ends. Well, the, the, the Chargers have Gerald Everett, but they could potentially move on. They and were they have, linked. They just they were, sent Parham too. Do you, are you in on Parham? I've seen Parham as a sleeper somewhere. Let's first start with that. So I like Gerald Everett um, if, if he's back, but there's a chance that they save some money by cutting him and they've been linked to drafting a tight end. So are you in on Parham as this, you know, six, eight, you know, guy who we've seen flash as a potential sleeper for you? I, I would be very much in on Gerald Everett if, if that situation is, is chilled out in Los Angeles. I still think that ultimately Everett will resign. Um, I don't think that they can rely on the health of Parham. We've seen now, what is it? Two concussions. Yes. So, and the last one was scary. Right. And so um, it's safe to say that another hit could potentially in his career. Um, I hate to say it that way, but it, it's, it's a real scenario. Um, I'm just in on the chargers offense in general, right? I I'm high on Herbert. I'm high on Mike Williams. Um, those two I'm higher on than consensus, right? I have, Herbert ranked ahead of Burrow in my rankings. That was part of the debate yesterday on man versus machine. Um, I talk about Kellen Moore joining this offense. Love the fact that he, you know, was top four in the league um, in his offenses while he was with Dallas for the last four years. So I think that he brings a much needed factor to the Chargers offense and they're going to get creative again with Herbert. Herbert also played hurt last year, right? He was, he had the broken ribs. He had the shoulder injury. And so a healthy Herbert throwing the ball 650 plus times a game, regardless of who's at tight end there, I think is going to have a role and an opportunity. Um, we know Keenan Allen will never play an entire season. He always has those soft tissue issues. Mike Williams, I always joke around, say he's the only player in the NFL that can land on his head and his ass in the same play. And so we know he goes up, he climbs the ladder and he gets hurt. Um, it just happens. So that, that's why people like Josh Palmer. That's why people attack the tight end position. That's why someone like Austin Eckler has such a large role because we have these two really injury prone one and two wide receivers that open up a lot of opportunity for the number three receiver for the tight end and for the running back. So regardless of who's at the tight end position inside the Chargers offense, I want a piece of them. I think it's going to be Everett this year. They'll probably involve Parham. You know, I got Parham for five and a half percent target share right now. I still have Everett slated for ten and a half percent. Um, I think regardless of who's there, we'll probably see around 10% at that position. 
And I think that they'll be fantasy relevant. So seeing that where we can get them in drafts, it's really appealing to me. Somewhere, somewhere in the multiverse, there, uh, there is a Billy Muzio and a Theo Greminger discussing like Gerald Everett, is he tight end two overall this year? Because this guy's played on so many teams, but he's such a baller and he continually will have like that game where he'll make like two or three spectacular plays. And you're like, wow, I wish somebody would just target this guy 110 times this year. And then he drops the easiest passes in the world. Two plays later. It's there's, it's, there's, it's maddening. It really is. There's a reason. There's a reason that <laughs> Sean McVay's Sean McVay's first draft pick for the Rams was Gerald Everett. He had, you know, uh, Jordan Reed aspirations for him. It just never happened. But yeah, so we're in on the Los Angeles Chargers tight end thinking right now, if we had to bet on it, it's Gerald Everett. But if it changes, we're in on that position. So Billy, between Dallas, Green Bay, Cincinnati and Miami, which of those four situations sight unseen and not knowing who the, the lead tight end is, which of those four is giving you the, the most excitement? It has to be Cincinnati. It's just the offense, right? It's, it's Joe Burrow. It's, it's them being able to uh, get creative with the position. They're going to have, you know, two number ones, a one, a and a one B receiver in Jamar chase and um, T Higgins. Right. So there's a lot of, a lot of pressure relieved from the and Zeke, and Zeke Elliott and Zeke Elliott and, and potentially a dusted Zeke Elliott. Um, so I think that whoever lands in Cincinnati, I think is going to have an opportunity to produce and whether that is a purely a goal line opportunity, or if it's a third down opportunity, whatever that package is, depending upon the player and their skill set, I think we'll have a fantasy. We'll have fantasy relevance in 2023. Yeah. You got to be in on the Cincinnati uh, tight end. Um, I, I completely agree with you on that one. Green Bay is interesting just because we don't have like you you talked about early in the show about Elijah Moore, like they don't have that that number two target. I think right now, you know, especially with Alan Lazard leaving and heading to the Jets, like right now, it's kind of like Christian Watson and then like a whole lot of question marks. So potentially that's a that's a like a a weird situation where you could have a number two target or even a number one target with with that tight end. We also have potentially with Jordan Love. We don't know how he's going to be as a starter. Is he going to be a guy who really likes to target the tight end? I'm not sure. So those are interesting. We'll continue this rapid fire. Who would you rather roster, Dawson Knox or, or Cole Komet? Cole Komet. Me too. Even with the DJ Moore signing, it's just Cole Komet, I, I think, is a cleaner, cleaner uh, profile, and he's more predictive week to week. It's, it's exactly what is predictive. Like His usage is there, right? Like When you look at Dawson Knox... Um, I'm going to pull up the stats right now, but I, his usage is he makes his money in the red zone and scoring touchdowns, right? It, from a target standpoint, he only saw 65 last year, tight end 17. That's only 4.3 per game. It was even worse in 2021. He only saw 4.7 games. It was tight end 20 in targets. Target share, uh, 2021, he saw 13% target share. He saw 12.8 last year. So again, not a huge focal point, at least from a target standpoint inside this offense, where if you go to somebody like Cole Komet, it's, it's significantly higher. I know that they added DJ Moore. They still have Claypool. Uh, I do expect this Bears offense to be much improved. Um, I don't expect them to be at or near the bottom in pass attempts this year. They were literally dead last in pass attempts last year in the NFL. Um, I believe, don't quote me on that, um, but I, I'm pretty sure it's there. Um, 
but DJ Moore is going to come in, you know, command 25 and a half, 26% target share. We're going to see Cole Komet still float in that 15 to 16% range. I, I initially prior to DJ Moore had Cole Komet projected for, you know, mid nineties, uh, in terms of targets. I have him now for 80 on the dots. Um, but I still have him, you know, for over 500 yards. Uh, he comes in on my tight end rankings right now at FFPC tight end rankings as tight end 15. So right behind Chico. Yeah. So for me, I, I'm going to, I'm going to take a, a different stance. I'm going to say neither because that's kind of the tight end. <laughs> that's and then, cheating. I, I, I know. So I'll, I'll say Cole Komet if I had to yeah, best ball, to. best, best ball. I might go Knox though, because I think okay, Knox is location in best ball, but so I'll, I'll, I'll say that, that there is kind of a tight end dead zone. Those guys are like going in, in tight end, like 12 through 18 range where you usually see like a lot of guys fail if you're going to go into that range of the draft, just stick with Dulcich and, and Chig. Take those upside guys. But I think Billy kind of nailed that one. I'll give you one more. Jawan Johnson, who was close to leading the all tight ends in, in touchdowns last year um, versus Trey McBride, a guy who we think could make a year two leap, um, especially with Zach Ertz having you know, health concerns and age concerns. Trey McBride or Jawan Johnson, Billy? This is close. Um, I'm going to, I'm going to divert to my rankings here. Um, We're going to keep asking questions until Billy, like his nose starts bleeding or something. We're going to get him one of these. (laughs) My eyes are watering because it's the the windows open. It's I get, I get some dust or was something coming in here, but we got uh, Juwan Johnson versus who was it? Trey McBride. Colorado state's finest. So Trey McBride right now currently is tight end 18 in my projections. I have him uh, in tight end premium FFPC, 148.3 fantasy points. Jawan Johnson comes in right now as tight end 20, 144.7. So we're splitting hairs here. It's literally a touchdown difference. It's only, it's only, it's not even a touchdown difference. We're talking about 3.5 fantasy points. So we're talking about three catches in FFPC at zero yards per catch. So um, it's very close. It's safe to say that this is. It, that we're at this point, it's, 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 it's left up to, to vary variance because anything can happen when we're projecting this close. I like the fact that Juwan Johnson has Derek Carr. I don't like the fact that Michael Thomas resigned. Um, Rashid Shahid actually had a pretty good campaign last year. Juwan Johnson, I think is going to have some spike weeks, but he's not going to be, you know, utilized as, as frequently where I think Trey McBride let me pull up the, the projections. Trey McBride, let's go to NFC West and let's head on over. So we have Zach Ertz, who's coming off injury, right? He tore his, I think it was ACL. I don't remember the week, um, but McBride probably slotted to lead the, the tight end position, at least in the beginning of the season. Uh, we're expecting DeAndre Hopkins to be moved. DeAndre Hopkins currently on the team in projection slotted for 22.5% target share. So that's going to open up 22% target share. That's a lot of targets to be opened up. Right. I expect to see Rondell Moore take a bump. I expect to see Greg Dortch get a slight bump, Marquise Brown to get a bump, but I also expect Trey McBride to get a bump in the passing game as well. Um, I'm going to go McBride here, especially if Hopkins is traded. Yeah. And I'm with you on that. I, I, I liked having Juwan Johnson um, on a few of my teams, especially, you know, weeks that I started and he scored a touchdown. That was, that was kind of fun. Um, but I think it's it, Trey McBride does have a chance to have a, a real year two leap. And in Dynasty, Billy, we do not take L's. We just wait. 
So Trey McBride, you know, it's like the Trey stock Mc- market. It's only a loss. Exactly. If you, if you, if, 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 it's only a loss if you sell. Yeah, exactly. So I'm I am uh, hoping that Trey McBride uh, takes a big leap forward. He was extremely productive in college at Colorado State. His numbers at Colorado State were wild, like like really, really up there. And he was the, the number one tight end drafted last year in the whole NFL draft. And he was a guy that FFPC drafters really liked at Dynasty. So I think this could be a year two leap for him. Like you talked about, a lot of these tight ends, they they don't do a whole lot as rookies. And then they take a big step forward. So I think Trey McBride could be one of those. Okay, Billy. Hayden Let's Hurst. One more. We'll, we'll okay. do one more. Hayden Hurst versus Mike Jacecki. Like the two one. free agents. So Mike Jacecki. Mike Jacecki. Mike, yeah, me too. I like Mike Jacecki. And we talked about this the other day on the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast. Alan and the Podfather were not quite as uh, interested in Jacecki. This is Mike we'll Jacecki is uber athletic. Like people forget yeah. uh, he was a round two pick. He came from Penn State. He came out with a 45440. He was 96th percentile in speed score. He was 99th percentile in burst score. He was 98th percentile in agility score. He was 100 100th percentile in catch radius. He is uber athletic. I remember people comparing him to like Vernon Davis and 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 I was extremely high on Jacecki coming out of college. Unfortunately, just was never utilized correctly. Um another unfortunate situation is he lands in the Patriots because it's just you never know what the Patriots are going to do on a week-to-week basis. That being said, if they do have a history of repeating themselves, it's usage with the tight ends and it's, and it's, and it's 12 personnel. So I think there's a place where Jacecki and Hunter Henry are both utilized, especially with the wide receiver quarter they have. We have had the, uh, the, the locker room narrative. We've had the shower narrative. We've had all kinds of narratives. Now we have the, the coach that recruited me narrative. Bill O'Brien was the one who brought Mike Jacecki to Penn State. Massive recruit. Like Billy said, he was an Uber athlete out of the state of New Jersey, was a massive recruit for Penn State. And Bill O'Brien finally gets a chance to uh, to coach him this year. And I think that Jacecki, we have seen have a 70 plus reception season. He He's a little bit underrated right now in uh, in best ball and in dynasty. We'll see where he settles into redraft. But I think he's kind of an appealing guy that might go around like a back end tight end two and and could sneak his way up there. We still don't know which way New England's going to go in the NFL draft in terms of adding target competition, but you got to like Jacecki a lot more in New England than you do in Miami. Billy, this was awesome today talking tight ends with you. Apologies to Noah Fant stands. Apologies <laughs> to Tyler Conklin stands. Apologies to Isaiah Likely stands, but we got to cut it off at some point. Are you excited that we're going to be able to talk about other positions next week on in on First Class Fantasy? No, I think we just need to stick at tight ends for like the next month. We're just going to we're going to lean into it. No, I'm just kidding. Yeah, let's 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 go ahead and get uh, the the other positions worked in. I would say go ahead and leave some comments down inside the chat. Let us know who you want us to talk about, what positions you want us to talk about. We will take in your considerations. Um, I'm also going to throw more community polls out there. So I'm going to throw a poll out there to see what you guys would like us to discuss. Uh, I would like you know just to let our listeners decide. Not every week, but on occasion, what we're going to be discussing uh, for the upcoming shows. So I think it's, it's safe to say um, we will listen to your feedback. We will implement some of that feedback and we will continue to uh, utilize it with our content. Yeah, for sure. And we've had a lot of great uh, feedback so far about the show. Um, so we love hearing what you have to say. Again, if you didn't listen to our show with, with JJ Zacharyson, go ahead and give it a listen. It, it came out yesterday. And if you didn't hear Billy Muzio and, and Dario Ofstein 
um, on Man versus Machine. You have to give that one a listen. It's awesome what you're doing with Dario. I think that's going to be a really fun pod all year. Uh, if you enjoyed my Dynasty talk, uh, the Sonic Truth Dynasty podcast comes out on Mondays with the Podfather and Alan Soslowski. And then, Billy, you have the Dominator as well. Maybe tell everybody about the, that. Yeah, the Dominator launched yesterday, um, and it is a podcast designed around projections. So if you like what you heard today, we had a lot of projections worked into this call. Um, but the Dominator will be 100% dedicated to um, Dario, who is the machine, me as the man. Uh, and man, we're man versus machine, yep. Man versus machine. We are going to be debating our projections on a week-to-week basis. He's going to be telling me where he thinks I'm wrong. I'm going to be telling him he's wrong. And we're going to be bringing in the human element to the rankings versus just the analytics versus the machine. Wasn't that basically the same storyline of Terminator 2? With Skynet, <laughs> Billy, or am I? Maybe I'm, I'm, I'm getting confused. I am not 100% sure. I haven't seen Terminator in a long time. There you go. There you go. Well, uh, yeah, definitely, uh, definitely join us next week. Next, uh, next Thursday, we're going to be bringing you another awesome episode of First Class Fantasy. And uh, Billy, maybe sign us out. That's it, everybody. Have a good night. And thanks for joining us here on First Class Fantasy. We'll see you all back another time. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Be sure to subscribe and activate those alerts so you get notified as soon as new videos drop. And be sure to check out playerprofiler.com. We have all the tools for you to dominate every type of fantasy league. We have a draft kit, Dynasty Deluxe, Data Analysis, DFS Dominator, and don't forget the player rankings to rule them all.